Amen. Well, over the last couple of months, we've been going through Galatians, and we have talked a lot about us being right with God and how that has played itself out and how that has given us this hope of freedom found in the gospel. And this hope of freedom is one that says we are right in God's eyes because of what his son did for us. Not because of some kind of work or some kind of cleaning up that we have done for ourselves, but because of what he did. And we're taking just a bit of a break, but at at the same time, we're not. And we're going through this season of Advent for four weeks where we look, going to look at hope, peace, love, and joy, which are all things that we find out of that freedom in Christ. They're all things that are true for those who have that true freedom found in him. And so I'm excited this morning to be able to talk to you about that hope, to be able to talk about how the hope reminds us of all sorts of things, but ultimately how it reminds us of the restoration found in Christ. And one of our core values that we shared last week was restoration. And it is that idea that we drink deeply from the gospel, deeply from the gospel. And we see that out of our passage this morning in 1 Peter chapter, th- chapter 1. If you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials." So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which angels long to look. Based on all that, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the word of God, and it will not fail you. You may be seated. 
Well, there was once an older gentleman who had a very distinguishable, white, beautiful beard. And he lived in this place with his cat in his wood shop that he owned. And one night as he was getting ready for bed and his cat was getting ready for bed with him, and even a little cricket was curling up to get warm inside a violin handle, he looks up at this shelf and he just kind of whispers what we kind of understand to be a hopeful and just kind of, oh, I wish that this would happen. And he says, wouldn't it be great if he was a real boy? He looked at this creation that he made and he whispered to his cat, wouldn't it be great if this was a real boy? And that is obviously Geppetto and Figaro and Pinocchio. You know, as Geppetto sunk deep down into his covers after saying that and get, was fully ready to fall asleep, he looks out his window and he jumps to his knees and pushes his head out the window and says, Figaro, do you see what I see? He sees this falling star and he says this, he says, I wish, starlight, star bright, I wish I may, I wish I might, first star I see tonight, have the wish I wish tonight. And he looks at Geppetto, and he's, or he looks at Figaro, and he says, do you know what I wish for? And in the cutest way that a black and white small little cat can do, it just shook its head no. He said, I wished that he would be a real boy. You know, this is a great story in one of those great Disney movies that center around wishes coming true, right? We, we know the end of the story, the, 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 this wooden boy becomes alive and has to understand what it means to be a boy and eventually finds himself made into a real boy, which just seems kind of ridiculous, but we're also super excited because it's a Disney movie that just gets to our heart of this wish coming true. But wishes, wishes, are things that we wish for that are basically impossible. I I don't know of any real wooden boy that's become a real boy, heart and flesh. I don't know of anything like that, but wishes are really things that can't come true at all. And and that's okay because hope today is going to remind us that wishes just aren't enough. A, a wish just isn't enough. You know, a lot of times, wishes will come out of extreme hurt or heartache. And even current situations that we find ourselves from, we, we wish that we could have instant relief. Right? Nobody wants to go through hard times. And so, we all do these things, um, you know, one, one way I think I do it, I'm like, I wish my body would work the way I want it to right now. Like, that would be great. I mean, we, would, we wish that it could happen automatically, wish there'd be no more pain, no more discomfort, no more pain in the chiropractor, no more getting up to take pills every morning and every night, 
than we're getting up three times to go to the bathroom every night. For sure. I wish that that could just instantly fix itself. It's not really how it works. I really wish I didn't have to eat the right food, because that's gross. But a wish, a wish really isn't enough. It's something that tries to bridge the gap between desire and reality. Or what you want and what's available to you now. And we do this all the time. We want to bridge that gap between desire and reality but ultimately, that's kind of what Buddha taught, not what Jesus taught. Buddha would say, hey, if you can just grab a hold of what's closest to you and just find your inner peace right now, like that's all you really need. But we all know that instant comfort isn't lasting. That wishing doesn't fulfill all of our dreams and our hopes and our desires. There's something more that we really need. And we practice this all the time. We want quick solutions. We want a quick fix. And sometimes we just want to numb the pain. It's easier to think wishes are enough or that they can fix everything because instant comfort is so much easier in the moment. But what we really need is lasting intimacy. We really need lasting intimacy, not a quick fix. It's understandable because we are tired of the agonizing pain in the middle of reality. We say things to ourselves like, wouldn't it just be easier if I could bridge that gap? Wouldn't there be more joy if everything was just comfortable right now? We might even say, wouldn't it make everyone's life better if I wasn't around right now? We say, I wish, I wish with all my might that comfort might just come tonight because the struggle is real. The struggle is real and it hurts. But hope reminds us, hopefully, that struggles are momentary. Wishes aren't enough, but struggles are momentary, and that's what hope reminds us of. And depending on your circumstance, um, and depending on whenever I might have given this sermon before, you might look at me and say, how in the world can you say that? How in the world can you say that my struggle that I've been dealing with for years is momentary? I want to first say, and I hope that our, one of our Christmas offerings to Plumline helps you understand that River Oaks will never say that struggles are minimal, that they don't matter, that you can easily shrug them off, that you just need to get cleaned up and get your act together. We will not say that because that's not what the gospel says. We're aware that trials and tribulations of this world happen, and each day we encounter stories of, or experience, stories of deep depression. Unrelenting pressures from without and from within, troubles, 
with addictions, broken relationships, debilitating anxiety. Death from those we love. Racial discrimination, political upheavals, friends betraying us, and anything else that you might be dealing with this morning or have dealt with in the past. These are real, and they're not pretend. These are legitimate hurts that we recognize because we know that we live in a broken world. And struggles are real, but they are momentary. Um, Peter acknowledges this when he says in verse 6, In this you rejoice, and he's speaking about the living hope of the salvation found in Jesus. In that you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know much, we don't have tons of details about Peter after he preached Pentecost, but we do know he's found here in Rome speaking to exiles who have found great persecution and tribulation. They feel like they've been forgotten or betrayed by God. And Peter looks at them, as I look at you today, and he says these trials are not God's rejection of you. These trials are not God's rejection of you. They're purifying you. It feels like you're growing weaker, but these trials are actually strengthening you. The struggles are momentary, but how often we don't feel like that. Um, Some of you will know, um, and some of you won't, Before coming to River Oaks and being called to the youth, I did retail management for 12 years, 12-ish. And that was not my plan. I I remember having a job at 19 at Kohl's and quitting three weeks in because that was the worst thing anyone could ever do and absolutely not going to do that. I really did feel called to ministry. But... We were getting married, me and my wife, and we were having a growing family. As you see, there's like five crazy kids running around here, boys, and they're nuts. And so I said, I'm going to take a job, just get some insurance for a little bit. I was like, maybe just a year, right? And then I'll I'll find a ministry position, and it'll be all right. Twelve years later, I found myself in that field, and for the first six to seven years, very angry about it very angry. Because why in the world would God have me in this place with tons of unbelievers? I just want to be comfortable in a church where I can just relax. That was dumb. It's so naive, right? Because there's struggles everywhere, but in the midst of that, I felt just absolutely defeated. Even in God's blessing our family through that, I still felt absolutely defeated. I was dealing with extreme depression, from not dealing with miscarriages that we had had, from being upset that things were going on, and it came to its worst when we got offered a job in Houston um, to a store that was at the very bottom. Um, There were two stores worse than us um, out of about 320 stores. It was a nice, comfy situation. 
On top of that, Bethany, we found out that two days after we moved, we're also pregnant with our fourth child. No stress at all. We just moved away from all our comforts, all of our family, our church family. And we felt alone. And over that year of just, just one year of being in Houston, at probably its worst, I felt absolutely defeated. I, didn't, I felt 60 plus hours working every week that I was failing my family. My wife had to be home with four kids in our very small two-bedroom, one-bath apartment. We didn't feel like we could live up to the expectations of the people in our church, whether that was real or fake. And I remember breaking down. For one of the first times, I can remember breaking down like that in my life. Which may not be healthy. In the small living room of that apartment. And I just couldn't live up to that expectation that I was putting on myself or the expectation I felt I had to do for God or the expectation I felt I had to perform for my wife and my kids. I couldn't do it anymore. And graciously, my wife probably said something to me. She had said who knows how many times since we've been married, but I, I heard it this time. She said, she said it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to struggle. All this has a purpose. And he will receive glory from all of this. This moment in time is momentary. Hope reminded me in that moment that struggles are momentary. I couldn't wish myself out of that, but this struggle was momentary in time. I think a um, good illustration of that, if you guys have seen the Ring of Power, if you haven't, I'm not going to ruin it, I promise. But it is when the elf goes to visit the dwarf, and he says, and the dwarf is super mad at him, he said, you haven't seen me in 20 years. He said, yeah, it's just been 20 years. In the life of an elf, life of an elf, that's not very long. The life of a dwarf that seems like ages. He got married. He had kids. And the elf was just like 20 years to eternity? What's that? And so often we can feel that way because it hurts so much in the moment. And I needed to hear that message. And I wonder about you this morning. Do you need to hear this morning that he's not forgotten you? Do you need to hear today that you've not, you're not being punished or you don't need to be punished for your bad decisions? Do you need to hear today that the feeling of growing weaker is just showing your need to put your trust in his strength and not your own? Do you need to cry in the shoulder of your Savior and rest in his acceptance of you? Hope reminds you of that. Hope in your salvation. Hope in an all-powerful God. Hope in one who seeks what's best for you. Hope in one that sent his son. Hope in one that can identify with your struggles. 
Hope in one that went through piercing loss. Hope in one that cares so deeply to be born of a virgin. Hope in one that came to ju- not to judge, but to heal the sick. Hope in one that weeps over death, and hope in one that promises restoration. Because that's what it promises. Restoration is promised, and that is what hope reminds us of. That's why Peter can say in verse 13, Therefore, based on all that he's done for you, based on his death, based on his resurrection, based on him fulfilling his promises, and based on all of that, therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope, way different than a wish. Hope is the feeling of expectation and desire for certain things to happen. One person put it this way, hope is not just a wish, as in I hope to get a pony for Christmas. True hope isn't crossing our fingers and hoping for the best. Biblical hope is desiring something good to happen in the future with the confidence that it will happen. Now, similar to Geppetto, there were once men who would study the stars, and they were called the Magi. These men probably looking at the writings and prophecies of Daniel, started looking for this coming star that promised a king. Can you imagine, after hundreds of years, looking to the skies, they see this star, and they're filled with wonder and that hope that they had been thinking, when will this come, has finally reached It's time, and they go and they give gifts to this child. But their hope was confirmed when the star appeared. As they searched the stars, it was as people with hope in the God of Daniel and his his promises. God's promises. It was hope in a God that showed himself faithful to Daniel and the exiles in a foreign land, enduring much persecution and experiencing momentary struggle. But they could put biblical hope in the one who showed himself faithful time and time and time again. And we, in the same way, look to the skies preparing ourselves for his coming, setting our minds to action, being sober-minded, and awaiting with hope for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Crossing our fingers and wishing are not enough. That will not get us through the momentary struggles and being grieved by various trials. Whispering to a falling star, I wish, I wish, that momentary struggle my end tonight will never give you lasting relief. This lasting relief, the thing greater than crossing our fingers, is found in the person more powerful than Disney movies and wishes. 
the person of promise and fulfillment rather than chance or luck is alive and he's coming again. Your, let me make sure we hear this this morning, your worth and your acceptance, your value, your confidence, and your blessed hope is found in nothing else except the works of his son. His resurrection and his inevitable return. It is more than a wish. It is hope that is secure because his promises are yes and amen. His promises tell of a day when struggle will end and hope will be completely fulfilled. We await the arrival of the most notable person, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I read in Psalm 27 this morning. I thought it was so fitting. It says, The Lord is the light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversary and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise against me. Yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that, I, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wishes are not enough. Struggles are only momentary. And that you can take hope in, dear believer. For restoration has arrived in the person of Jesus as a baby. In his death, he sealed it through his resurrection, and he found his return that has promised to come. It is yours if you're found in him in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the wishing that it would just end automatically, he is there with you. And we look to the skies, knowing that he's coming to restore us. And we drink deeply of that every single day. And we remember the gospel. Would you pray with me? Father, we are aware that we hurt and fail you and we hurt others and we fail others and we need restoration. 
God, could we remember in the midst of that, that hope reminds us you have given it to us. You have promised it to us through your son. And when we go out today, knowing that to be true, we go out today knowing that as we celebrate Advent and looking to a notable person arriving, that we are looking and hoping for you to arrive again and we can have confidence that that will be true and that these struggles that seem so dire and so massive are only momentary compared to the glories we look forward to when we behold your beauty for all eternity. We pray this and we ask this in your name.